You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. That. All right, keep your Bibles open here as we're in Mark chapter number 4. And here in this passage, what we find is the Lord is teaching. And you know, He, is, he was always teaching. You know, sometimes people open their mouths and they really don't have anything to say. Sometimes that's where I'm at. And, you know, the Lord was never that way. Uh, it wasn't that he didn't have anything to say. He was very deliberate in what he did say. And, and as he was teaching here, he has just finished giving some lessons. Some parables have been given. And then he switches uh, to the last two topics before we get into our text in verse 35. And he mentions the kingdom of God two different times. And so he's trying to bring the disciples to a place where they are not looking at an earthly kingdom, they're looking at a spiritual kingdom. And what we find is the Lord has given a lesson to the disciples, and just like a lesson from a teacher, there's going to come a test on what was just taught. You know, faith is not information. Just knowing things does not mean that we have faith. Just believing or accepting information does not mean that I have faith. You see, faith is taking what you have been given and then acting on it. You are allowing the information not just to be here, but to transfer into your daily life. And the Lord has just given some information about the kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom, and now he's switching and he's going to put the, uh, the test into place. And these disciples now are going to find themselves in a test or now we'll find out if they truly learn the lesson. Have you ever taken a test and failed? I definitely have. And you know, some tests, there are tests that are academic, but sometimes their tests are spiritual. And when we don't pass a test, we get to take it over again. You know, there are some tests that I don't want to take over. There are some classes I was talking to Miss Sarah this morning uh, about math, and we were talking about algebra. And, you know, there are some, some classes in life that I could have completely done without. Uh, and, but the reality is I have used it in building and had to, to figure some things out and pull out some of those, uh, those, uh, uh, those equations, uh, those algebraic equations to figure out distances and circumferences. And uh, many times I've had to use those. Uh, but, but in life, in the spiritual realm, the Lord gives us and teaches us, but are we going to embrace the teaching enough to reveal that we have imparted it and it is a part of our faith, our belief system. 
someone has wisely said, you only believe that which moves you to action. If the fire alarm starts going off and we start smelling smoke in here, I wouldn't have to try to convince you that there's a fire and that we need to leave. But if Brother David just started saying, hey, fire, fire, like, what's going on? What is he talking about? We got a fire alarm. What? Why? It wouldn't, it wouldn't move us to action. But somebody comes running in the back door, starts screaming, fire! All of a sudden there is, okay, something needs to happen. And in our faith, just because we have information does not mean that it is part of our faith. So what then is faith? Faith is belief plus doubt mixed together, but stepping out on the belief. You know, in life, we don't have any absolute promises. We have God who has given us promises, but just think about when you accepted the Lord as your personal Savior. We didn't see Him die on the cross. We did not see Him laid in a tomb. We did not see Him raise again, but by faith we believed it. And the Bible says, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. So there, was, there had to come an assessment, come to a place of reasoning where you say, okay, I know this is what the Bible teaches, uh, and I believe what God has said. Now I need to do something about it, and I need to trust the Lord. April 23rd, 1983 is when I accepted the Lord as my personal Savior. I'm on my way to heaven uh, because I had belief and I had some doubt, yet I stepped out on that belief and I asked the Lord to be my Savior. Now, these disciples are going into a, a test, if you would. Uh, and uh, a test, uh, our faith has to be te tested. Uh, Romans 10, 17, the Bible says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But that hearing, that information has to be implemented into our life. So it has to be acted upon. And that is, that is an important thing. And this morning, I want to go back. Let's look together at our text verses in Mark chapter number 4 and verse 35. The Bible says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship. So it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? And how is it that ye have no faith? No faith. Now, the Lord's assessment of the disciples at that moment 
was they got an F on this test. He said, I have just taught you, I have given you the information about a, the kingdom of God, and now you have not passed that test. You have not exhibited your faith. And I want to just take that little phrase there uh, where the Bible says in verse 39, there was a great calm. And that's the title of the message this morning, A Great Calm. Father, I pray that you would help us today. And Lord, meet needs as only you can. Speak to our hearts. And uh, Lord, just help us to grow. May our faith grow because we've been here this morning. Because we have listened to the Word of God. Because we have taken the truths that are here. And may they encourage us and strengthen us. And help us as we endeavor to live by faith. And so I pray that you bless now for Christ's sake. Amen. So here I want you to see several things this morning uh, about this great calm. First of all, I want you to see the purpose. Uh, there was purpose. These disciples were living on purpose. They were living for a purpose. There was a purpose that had driven them. Uh, there was a book that was written, A Purpose Driven Life. And, uh, and in life, we need to live a purpose. We need to have purpose in our life. Because if there is no purpose, we're just sort of going through the motions. Uh, have you ever felt like you get up so you can go to work, so you can go to sleep, so you can get up, so you can go to work, so you can go to sleep, so you can pay a bill, so you can get up and go to work to pay a bill? It's just this vicious cycle. And, and, and if that is all life is, there is no fulfillment. You know, the disciples, they were living with a purpose. Now, that's encouraging to me because, because good people doing good things, living right, still find themselves in a storm. And these disciples, they were committed individuals. They were committed followers of Christ. They did not, they did not go through life just uh, trying to uh, exist. And they, were, they had given up everything. Here they were. They, were, they had given up their uh, businesses. They had uh, broken social ties. They had uh, changed some of the economic opportunities that they had. They were living for the Lord. And, and you know, with that, uh, they were living for a purpose. And, you know, as believers, there is a purpose in our life. There is a purpose for you getting up in the morning. If God has given you life, there is a reason for your existence. And, and that existence is to glorify God. It is to, uh, to, to know him, to glorify him, to love him. Uh, the Bible says in Revelation 4:11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. God made you not so you could have fun. God made you so he could have fun. God made us for his pleasure. He brought us into this world uh, because he has a plan. Just think about how you feel when your plans come together. Isn't there joy when your plans come together? 
And when their plans don't come together, you think about all the stress and problems uh, that, uh, that happen when things start falling apart. But the Lord put us here uh, to accomplish his plan, and that brings him pleasure. Uh, and so you and I, we have a purpose in our existence. It doesn't matter he, if you're here this morning and you have, uh, you have opportunities and you have strengths and, uh, and areas where you can serve, or whether or not you're here this morning and your health, uh, just like I talked to one of our seniors yesterday, and, and they, they struggle with their, uh, with their purpose of existence because they can't do all the things that they used to do. But God has a purpose for our existence. You see, the purpose isn't just for us to, to do all kinds of activity. The purpose of our existence is to bring glory to God. And God can get glory through each and every one of us. And you and I need to come to a place where we recognize my life is here for a reason. And there's purpose in my existence. There is purpose with the life that I have been given. And so now, how can I bring God glory? Some, it is, is going to be to, to show the rest of us how to, how to finish the race with joy. The apostle Paul got to the end of his race. He said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What happened? He lived his life, all the years, all of the events, all of the doing, and now he gets to the end of his life and he is showing us how to finish that race. It wasn't in all the activity at that point. There are different seasons of life. And so there's purpose, and there's purpose in our life. There was purpose in these disciples' life. They were following the Lord. They had committed their life to the Savior. They're following him. And there was great purpose that was there. And, you know, uh, we look at that and we think, well, if I am in the middle of God's will, then why am I going through these problems? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I have. It's like, Lord, if this is where you got me, if this is the plan, then why are all these events? What, what's, the, what's the problem here? But then you have to start looking at biblical example. You know, storms don't come into our life just because we're disobedient. Now, that does happen. We look at Jonah, and perfect example, that the, the whale came uh, because Jonah was running from God. And there is storms that come into our life when we run from the Lord, and we're not doing what we're supposed to do, and God's trying to get our attention. But that's not the only time. You stop and think about Job. Job didn't do anything wrong, yet great tragedy came into his life. And God brought up Job's name to Satan. And he said, hast thou considered my servant Job? That there is none like him in all the earth. One that feareth God and escheweth evil. You know what God was doing? God was grabbing Job and holding him up as a trophy. And saying, you know what? This guy loves me. This guy serves me. No matter what happens, he loves me. You see, 
There were storms that came into Job's life and he didn't do anything wrong. Storm came into Jonah's life because he disobeyed. Storms came into Job's life because he did obey. You think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You think about Daniel in the lion's den. You think about uh, Esther and uh, uh, the kingdom there. You think about, uh, you think about so many people, the apostle Paul, the, the apostles who were all martyred. You look at their life, and they, were, they had storms come into their life not because of disobedience, but because of obedience. You and I have to recognize that there is a sovereign God. And he has a plan. And though we might not enjoy some of the storms, we have to recognize that he is God. And he has a plan. And he led these disciples into a storm. He led them uh, to a place where uh, there was, uh, there was uh, burdens and heartaches that they were going to face. Uh, but you know, they were living for a purpose. They had purpose in their life. And, and that purpose, it brought fulfillment and it brought satisfaction and it brought joy. But it did not remove the storms. It did not remove uh, the storms. And these disciples living a life of purpose, they knew the Lord as their Savior. So we have salvation. They knew the Lord as their Lord. What was that? That was discipleship. That was commitment. That was the Lordship of Christ in their life. So we see, first of all, that good people, the purpose of following the Lord, they can still find themselves in a storm. And so we see the purpose, but I want you to see, secondly, the power. The power. Uh, verse 37, it says, And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Now, we know the power that the Lord had to calm the storm, but that's not what I want to look at this morning. When we think about the power, I want you to see the power that a storm has in our life. You see, the storm impacted these committed followers of Christ to such an extent that the Lord had to say, you have no faith. So what was it? Was it that they, didn't, they never had faith? No, that was not the case. It was that this storm revealed some things in them. That meant that that storm had power over them. And let me tell you, there are storms that come in life that have great power in our life. But we have to be very careful how much power we give to those storms. Because that, that storm, the power of that storm, is enough to re, not only remove our practical faith, I'm not talking about salvation, but to where our faith would falter. We see in John chapter 6 how people's faith who faltered they turned away and walked no more after him. You see, Christians can come to a place where they throw up their hands and they say, I'm done. 
I don't know how many times I've heard the statement, if God is a loving God, why would he ever allow this to happen? Haven't you heard it? Well, there's so much evil in the world, and, and if God really was in control, then there would no, be no evil. And there are, there are people who are people of faith who have walked away from God. What happened? A storm had power in their life. I've told you before of a door I knocked on over here in Oliverhurst, and I knocked on this door, and this man come to the door, it was, and, and, and as he walked up to the door, he flips it open, and I handed out a gospel track, hey, we're out from Bible Baptist, just inviting people to church, and he says, he says, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God. And it just, it just came out as not just venom of anger, it came out as venom of injury. And I looked back at him and I, I said, I'm so sorry. You must have been hurt deeply. And all of a sudden, just instantly, this 35-year-old man, 40-year-old man began to weep. He said, I used to go to church. I used to teach Sunday school. He said, my mom got cancer. And I prayed and I asked God to save my mom from dying from cancer. And he didn't save her from dying from cancer. And I started talking to that gentleman, and I could hear kids in the background. And I said, so is, are, have you accepted Christ as your personal Savior? He said, oh, yes. He says, I remember when I got saved, and he had a clear testimony of salvation. I said, what about your kids? I said, you now have walked away from God and are denying the existence of your God. If you die, you're going to go to heaven, and your kids are going to die without Christ. You know what happened? That storm had great power in his life. And storms are destructive. I just got some flashes this morning of, uh, of storms that came through, and I didn't see where it was at. And it was showed images of, of houses and buildings that have been ripped apart. You think about the, uh, the fires that are in our area and the, the injury and the destruction that comes. Storms destroy. And they are, they are things that, are, that come into our life, but they don't have to destroy when it comes to our faith. You see, there is a God in heaven that says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. What does that tell me? God knows my load limit. You say, Pastor, I can't take anymore. God knows your load limit. He knows you can take more than what you think you can take. And, and God won't leave us. And we think about here this storm, the power that the storm had. It says there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. What do we find? This storm had power of doubt. It caused them to doubt the goodness of God. Now, is God good? God's good all the time. 
He is. Now, that doesn't mean everything in life is good. It doesn't mean that there aren't very real burdens and heartaches. But the reality is, God's good all the time. You know what a storm will do? If we give that storm power in our life, that storm will cause us to doubt the goodness of God. It will cause us to doubt that we have a loving God. Uh, God, how could you uh, allow this to happen? The disciples, the one that had given up everything to follow the Lord, they said, carest thou not that we perish? Now, let's just step back a second. Do you think academically that they knew that the Lord cared? Absolutely. But what was it? It was that storm at that moment that caused them to doubt the Lord. God, don't you see what's going on? Don't you care that we're in danger? Don't you care that we're about to perish? You see, storms have, uh, have power. They have power to cause doubt. They have power to create fear. Years ago, I think the kids were junior high or upper elementary school and we had a friend when we were up in Washington that uh, had a boat. It was a 23-foot tide runner, and uh, he parked it at our house. And he said, well, if you'll let me park it at your place, then you can use it anytime you want. You talk about the best setup for a boat owner, uh, having access to a boat. I, here I was. I didn't have any insurance. I didn't have any maintenance. Um, and I got to go use this boat. Well, we decided that we were going to go camping. Now, I love camping, but we decided we were going to take camping to a new level. We decided to go up to uh, Forks, Washington, uh, which is the very corner of the entire state. And you have off the coast there, you have the Strait of Juan de Fuca, and you have the islands that are out there in the uh, Strait of Juan de Fuca. And so we decided we're not only just going to go camping, because we'd always go camping out in the middle of nowhere, not a campsite, not where there's services or other people with a tent. Uh, it was just out in the middle of nowhere by yourself. Well, I, I had this bright idea that I wanted to go camping, but off of a boat on an island out in the Strait of Juan de Fuca. Does anybody see any problems with this? There were so many problems with this. And, and so I was, I was competent in a boat, but I, wa I was not a normal, I was not a boat boater. I wasn't out in the ocean a lot. My grandpa had boats, and from the time I was five on, I had, I had uh, driven the, uh, the boats. But there was grandpa was always there with me, you know. And so uh, we end up heading up there. We get up to Strait of Juan de Fuca, get out into these islands, the Aleutian Islands out there. And uh, I think that's right. Uh, anyway, so we get out to these islands, and we decide to camp on James Island. And we get out there on this island. It was it was a great trip. Uh, we had to, but there were some people on the one side of the island. Well, I'm not camping near people at all. So uh, we decided we we're going to go across the other side of the island. So we had to hike everything over. So we're going across the, this island to the other side, set everything up. Uh, and we had, we had uh, all kinds of events happen. Raccoons coming into camp, deer stampeding through our camp. How did deer get on an island? 
I mean, it was just amazing. Uh, and then we had some rain and some different things, but it was, a, it was a good trip. Well, that next day, we decided we were going to go out into the, the open water and go looking for whales because it was the time the, the uh, uh, killer whales were out there. So we decided we we're going to go out and watch whales. So we get in the boat, and I've got my charts. Deb is not a water person. She likes land. And so she wasn't too excited about it, but she was going along, and the kids, we had the life jackets and everything, and we're heading out, and I am a map guy. I, the north, south, east, west, compass, I'm, I'm good with all of that. So we're out there, so we had traveled uh, to the islands, and then we're going through these islands to catch open water, and so I uh, knew where we were at. We're heading out, and as we're heading out, Deb starts saying, hey, looks like it's getting dark out there. Ah, it'll be aight. And we keep on going, and I don't know, it looks like there's a storm. It's like, ah, it, it'll be okay, don't worry about it. And we keep on going, and we're getting out into open water, and all of a sudden we have boat after boat that is just flying by going the other way. And they're big boats. And this, this 23-foot tide runner all of a sudden seems like just a little toy boat in a bathtub. And, and these boats are just screaming by us, going the other way, and it's getting dark on the horizon. And Deb's like, we got we to stop. Carrie, we got to go back. Carrie, we got to go back. Carrie, we got to go back. And she's just, she's ramping up. And you can just sense it. I'm like, ah, well, I don't know. We went a little bit farther. And then, it's, then it was like, all of a sudden, the waves changed. And it was like instantaneous. All of a sudden, we went from just fairly, just regular bay water to now all of a sudden, we've got these huge waves that are rolling in on us. I was like, okay, we need to turn around. Well, we start turning around, and I mean, the, the wind picked up, and these waves picked up, and now trying to just get back was a big ordeal because now we're getting lifted up and slammed back down. So it's not like you can just fly. And so it starts getting a little bit tense. And uh, I have somebody right next to me with red hair that uh, uh, definitely was getting tense. And, and now we're going back, and, but we are going back to the dock. We're going to try to get back to, to uh, where we launched from. But we didn't come that way. We navigated through all these different islands. And now I'm a little turned around. And all the stress and pressure and starts to rain and that wind and those waves. And I'm looking at the charts and I'm looking at the, the compass and Deb's saying, we need to go this way. And I'm looking at this saying, no, this says we need to go this way. No, it's that way. And, and she's pretty good with directions. And, and finally, I was like, I'm, I'm looking at my charts and I'm looking at the islands and trying to place exactly where we're at. And finally, got it nailed down and said, no, this is what the chart says. This is where we're going. So we followed the chart and we got back to the dock. And when we got back, by that time, that storm had come in, and it just flat dumped. You know, had we still been out in the water, we would have been swamped. It would have been all bad. You know, but there was that fear, that anxiety that was very real. Now here on the Sea of Galilee, these professional fishermen 
are coming to the Savior and saying, don't you care that we perish? The boat had filled up. It was in a place where their life was at extreme danger and the doubt that was there, their, their doubt in the care and the love of the Lord in their life was there. And, and you know, when you look at that, uh, you see how those storm, the storm had power to change your perspective completely. It, it had power to change your own faith. You know, here these disciples were in that, that spot. The storms that life brings our way, it has the power to bring that doubt. It has the power to bring that fear. But it does not have the power to overcome faith. And we have to hold on to our faith. The Lord, when he corrected them, he said, how is it you have no faith? He went all the way back and he said, your faith would have taken care of this. It wasn't removing the storm. It wasn't removing the injury, the, uh, the, the anxiety that was there. But the storm... It had power. And so we see the purpose, we see the power that the storm had in their lives. But I want you to see the proclamation. Verse 39, and he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. Can you imagine if you were right there? Peace be still. The Lord was calming the raging sea. In his word, in three little words, everything went from turmoil to calmness. And there was a great calm. But the calm was not just the ocean. The calm was in the heart of those disciples. Aren't you glad that we have a God who can not just calm the sea, he can calm our heart. He can calm the storm. He can calm the raging that is inside, the frustration, the fear, the, the burdens that we bear. There is a God in heaven uh, who can help calm those storms. That great calm, his word, it brought great calm. His power brought that calm. He calls out a command, three little words, and there was a great calm. The raging storm ceased. The elements of the storm were calmed. The hearts of the disciples were calmed. Earlier in the week, last Sunday morning, I was going through my journal. And in my journal, it, uh, it it's, gives you places to uh, jot down your praises. And, and then it says, pause. And I was like, Lord, what do you want me to praise you for this morning? And this was last Sunday morning. And a term came to my mind that I've never praised the Lord for before. And the term was, and I hadn't read this passage of Scripture yet, the term that was there was calm. And what I found was 
there was a cal- there's a calmness with God. You know, God's never rattled. So I have, I have four things written down on that journal page. One of them, I was praising the Lord for his calmness. The second one was not worried. The third one, not hurried. And the fourth one was peace. You know what I found was that I needed all of those things in my life. I needed calmness. I needed not to be worried. I needed not to be hurried. And so the, the, the response was, my own soul, what God was revealing to me, I was not calm in my soul. And as I wrote down some needs, I said, Lord, I need calmness in my life. I wrote down several things. I need calmness. I need peace. I need patience. I need love. And I need faith and trust. You know, the storm wants to remove all of those things from us. The burdens that we go through, it's trying to rob us of all those things. And here this morning, I want you to know the God that can calm the Sea of Galilee can calm the heart of his child. And you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not in a storm. Everything's all good right now. Praise the Lord. But it's not if a storm comes, it's when a storm comes. And there are people that are in the middle of a storm. And there's a God in heaven who has the ability to bring a great calm. Deb and I were talking. She has, she has heart surgery tomorrow morning. And so I appreciate your prayers on that. And I was asking her, I said, how are you feeling about this? She says, I've got a great calm. She had no idea what I was preaching on. She said, I just have a great peace. I'm not worried about it. Now don't ask me where I'm at on this. But I'm trying to be here. You know, there's... There are storms, there are burdens that every one of us carry. But we have a God who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. See, we have a God who brings calm. He knew the disciples were going to go through this storm And he allowed them to go through that storm to bring about their faith, to help their faith to be solidified, for them to be able to see that God was there. And so whatever storm it is that you're facing this morning, the Lord knew it was coming. And he won't won't leave you. He'll be there with you. And his ability to bring a calm to your soul is just as real as his ability to calm that storm. And I pray this morning that each of us will have a great calm. Father, I pray that you'd help us today. You know the needs of each person here. And Lord, I love these people. I I care about them. But Lord, you love them and care about them so much more. 
And you know every need that they face. And I pray this morning that you will help them as they endure the storms that life brings to them. I pray that their faith would be strengthened. And Lord, that they would have the faith that they need to be able to endure the storms uh, that come. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning. Uh, speak to hearts. Give us what we need today, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. As the instruments play, if the Lord spoke to your heart this morning, you come. Maybe you're here this morning and you need a calm. You know, maybe just, just coming and talking to the Lord about that, asking him to give you that grace and help. Maybe you're here this morning and you're missing a calm because you don't have the Lord as your Savior. He is not your Lord and Savior you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, let me encourage you to come. If you don't know for sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven, let us take the Bible and show you what God has to say about you going to heaven. Maybe you're here this morning, you've been saved, but you've not followed the Lord in believer's baptism. You come. Whatever the need is, you, you come. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.